Hello, it is Thursday, October 12th, 2017 at one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Marketing Live. I am your host, Amy Jorgensen. On today's live broadcast, we're talking about managing content contributors. Regardless of what tool you're using, the key to your content management system, CMS, is the content contributor. People are saying content is king, but we know it's the person creating the content wearing the crown. You can help your content contributors by applying good governance practices, having a system that runs smoothly as possible, and when it does, you get the best content produced efficiently. On this episode of Marketing Live, you'll hear about best practices and lessons learned. Rethink your content strategy workflows to support contributors and get great content results. Marketing Live is part of a higher live network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag HigherEdLive. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at HigherEdLive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Are you looking to improve your institution's digital marketing strategy and execution? To be successful, today's higher ed marketer must make data-driven decisions and connect digital performances back to strategic and financial goals. Educate your entire team in the latest digital marketing strategies and trends on December 6th using M. Stoner's Digital Marketing for Higher Education online conference. We'll be tweeting out a link to learn more about the conference shortly. A big thank you to our sponsor, Omni Update. As the number one resource students and parents use to research colleges, your website deserves number one content management system for higher education. Omni Update's OU Campus Web CMS is built specifically for higher ed. It has the most higher ed users, is extremely easy to use, and is backed by award-winning support. Check it out at omniupdate.com. I'd like to welcome our two guests today. We have Vanessa, Associate Director of Integrated Content Strategy at Babson College. Welcome, Vanessa. <laughs> and Kate, Brand Journalist at Babson College. Welcome, Kate. We're excited you're here. Hi. <laughs> So let's dive right in. And again, anyone who is watching, feel free to ask questions using hashtag HigherEdLive. And I'll do my best to ask them as they come in to our two guests. But I'll start with some questions of my own. So let's start off overall with your content strategy. And um, you know, what different types of content managers do you have? Sure. So I can start with that. Um, so we have a number of content management systems um, on our campus. We sort of divide them up based on what the different goals are of that platform. So of course, from a you know overarching institutional perspective, we have our main website. And our website um, is the informational house uh, for all of our business units on campus. So everyone from admission to advancement. Um, and so it really houses all of our information and transactional activities. So someone, a user needs to get to our website in order to complete some sort of action. So it's obviously a critical, critical uh, CMS for us. Um, it's 3,000 pages. It's it's quite huge. Um, it's kind of the core of everything we do. So it's an incredibly important platform. Um, and then we have a couple of other kind of content-centric platforms that are more housed within um, the centralized marketing organization, which is the organization that Kate and I sit in. But um, they include our blogs, which Kate will talk a little bit about. Um, we have a content marketing platform called Entrepreneurship of All Kinds, which is entrepreneurship.babson.edu. And then we have our third um, kind of content platform is our magazine, so um, our Babson Magazine site. 
Um, and you know, those are housed in marketing. So I'll say that from a content contributor standpoint, it's a little easier for us to kind of control our access. Um, but the, you know, the biggest, um, challenge, uh, that, you know, I know that organizations like Omni Update try work really hard on our, um, it's the main, the main site. Um, cause really at the end of the day, that's where our users are, um, completing goals um, that we have for them. So uh, our main site has um, actually quite a number of content contributors. We have around 250 across campus, which I hear is much higher than the industry average. However, um, with such a robust site that is actually housing content for so many different departments and business units, it, it makes sense when you break it down that way um, for a 3,000 page site to have that many content contributors. Um, so. Wonderful, and Kate. Yeah. Um, so as Vanessa mentioned, I primarily manage blogs, which is a little bit of a different um, goal than the main website, obviously. The goal of our blogs platform is to give kind of a curated uh, snapshot of life at Babson from the lens of people who are actually here on campus. So uh, we have a huge volume of contributors across campus that are posting regularly on the platform to share um, things that are specific to their program, uh, be it admissions, one of our many centers on campus who run a, you know, a multitude of events throughout the year, um, or just talk like really candidly about what life is like at Babson. So from my end, I'm managing everyone who's contributing to that um, blogs platform, which is a huge driver of traffic to our website also. Um, but, all, but I'm not contributing at all. It's fun. The marketing department doesn't actually contribute aside from um, posts from our PR team. So that's an interesting I'll look at it too, is that we are managing and uh, providing this platform to uh, our partners across campus uh, and providing the assistance needed to keep it up and running and um, encourage people to contribute to it. Um, and I think, you know, the website is a great place for information, but I think the blogs at Babson have become a really great place to come and get like a day-to-day -day look at what life is like for a current student, particularly from a prospective student lens. Excellent. So are the people contributing to your blog, are they students, are they faculty, are they all? <laughs> uh, yeah, all of the above and more, um, which I think is one of the really great things about it. You're not just getting one different viewpoint. Um, so we regularly have folks across campus uh, who are leading um, communication efforts within departments, uh, start accounts and write about them. But we also have faculty contribute. Um, we have students contribute, admissions fellows uh, in undergrad and grad um, that regularly write about student life on campus. Our career office does a great summer program where students um, blog about their internships over the course of the summer. So we get little sneak peeks into what life is like uh, the, the variety of organizations that they're working at. We have students blog about going abroad. Um, we have faculty members talking about some of their research and practice or the really cool innovative courses that they're holding each year. So it's really, you know, everyone and anyone um, who works with us to get on the blog, we would love to have um, their opinions and, and their posts shared. Excellent. And Vanessa, do you have faculty and students together or? Um from the website perspective, it's actually mainly staff. Um, and of course, you know, we hope to have through like a distributed um, strategy of maintaining the website is a designee and as many departments as possible who we train regularly, who are on our list, if you will, whenever we're sending out or making updates to the site. Um, so it's really, really important for us that we have a full-time staff person 
as a designee. They, of course, can also, um, you know, hire students to help. Um, but sometimes that's a challenge. I mean, it really is a challenge to have a designated student or a couple of students, you know, they um, have other priorities, of course, while they're on campus. They're going, they go abroad next semester and, you know, things change. Um, and suddenly the department's without someone to manage their website. So it's really important to us that we do have at least a staff person who's um, well-trained and versed in the system. Um, from a faculty perspective, we actually house all of our faculty profiles in a separate system called Digital Measures that feeds into our website. So that's been really, really helpful because we found that, you know, it's really important for their, um, you know, coursework and experience and bios and photos to be in a separate system rather than having to have all these faculty editing the main website. And then, you know, they have other priorities as well. So it's, it's, it's been really helpful to have that content housed separately that we can feed into the site. So again, it's, it's mainly staff members. Um, and that's at least a kind of pretty set rule that we try to abide by. No, I think that's really smart. So going into the different, I like that you guys brought out that you have, you know, variety of users. So how do you set up different kinds of permissions in the system or what, what they'll have access to? So it's really, really important. And I think, um, especially if you're considering like a CMS migration to a new site to really set up those permission levels at the forefront and really get a solid understanding of the different levels of um, access and different types of content, content types that a user might need access to from the beginning. I will say that that's something that we didn't do too well from the beginning is really understanding, all right, you know, what will, why will a user need access to X and why does it have to be set up to a certain permission level? So doing that at the forefront is really important um, because, you know, what we try to do is give users access to only their section of the site. So they do feel like they have a little bit of ownership over that section's content. But sometimes it's around, you know, certain types of content, content types or web parts, things like that, that, uh, you know, we don't really realize a user needs to do more than just updating text. So kind of setting that up in the at, at the beginning is, is pretty important um, to do, so. Excellent. And Caitlin, do you have a variety? Yeah, we do. Um, and it's it's a little more cut and dry, I think, than the main CMS uh, because it's uh, WordPress based. So uh, it's really easy to set up the permissions and uh, there's they're, they're very distinct. So we have administrators, which are folks on the marketing team um, who are going into the back end and creating accounts. And then we have editors who are able to go in to not just their posts. Um, but other people's posts and make changes. So we don't give that permission out a lot. Normally it's maybe the folk, the person who's in charge of students who are blogging in CCD if they want to make changes. Um, but really the bulk of our users are authors, which means they can go in, they can create posts, they can make the appropriate edits to their posts, um, schedule them, post them, but they're not able to go in and access anyone else's, which I think is really important um, to really figure out who should be able to edit other people's posts. Uh, be it on the main uh, page, the main CMS blog. Um, so those are set up in advance and explained to everyone when we train them um, so that they're aware of what their permissions are and what kind of work that they can do within the system. Wonderful. So starting at the very beginning when you have these people coming to you, do you provide any kind of training or or printed materials for them to give them a foundation? Because it's it's 
I know for me, it's been a challenge sometimes, like even people that worked on the web team, web team with me at, at different universities, they didn't know what a heading tag was. And I'm like, oh no, like <laughs> ah, accessibility 101. So <laughs> what kind of training do you do to make sure that people are you know, keeping the website with the right tone and language and, and also accessible and all those kind of good things? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so we do offer and require training for all of our new users um, across the board. And, you know, a lot of times um, their peers in their department might also be able to edit the website. And even so, we try to make sure that someone in the marketing team actually gets time to sit down with them and walk them through the things that are really priorities for us. So everything from accessibility, as you mentioned, to, you know, this is exactly how to upload an image, you know, simple things like that. Um, but we really want to make sure we get the FaceTime with them. And it's really important for us too because we can kind of in those conversations understand you know what the priorities for their website is um you know what what they're usually going to be doing um so then we also can dive in and help whenever we need to and so that's been a good relationship building opportunity to make sure that our developers and our content people are actually sitting with the user and walking through um from a documentation standpoint we, are, we used to have paper documentation PDFs, but we found that that was just really hard to manage and update and send around and what's, you know, where's one place we could house it all. So we actually maintain a subsite within our main website um, that kind of outlines all the different things that a, an average user might, might do. Um, and it's funny because it's actually generated a lot of traffic to our site anyway, just, you know, because it's, it's really helpful information and from a, you know, it's public. So it's, you know, why not? Um, but we have some kind of key steps within there. But what's helpful with that is our website standards are actually housed in our marketing site, which houses our brand standards mm -hmm. and editorial guidelines and, you know, things like where to find the logo, the right logo to use. So it's nice because it reminds a user that their website's part of their entire marketing strategy. Um, and so it's more than just how do I upload an image, but Oh wait, let me remind myself what you know. Blue is approved, or what green is approved, or you know what color the H one, the header header one is actually supposed to be, um, because it looks off here. So we make sure it's all within one centralized place that a user can access at any given point in time. Wonderful, thank you. What about you, Caitlin? Uh, so I train the bulk of people who are uh, new to the blog, and I love doing it because, like Vanessa mentioned, I think FaceTime is super important. Um, inevitably, there's going to be questions down the road, even if you do the most thorough training. So being able to build that rapport up front so that they can contact you with questions down the line has been really helpful, I think, for us on the marketing team. So I will schedule a quick training with everyone to do like a how-to on posting to the blog. I usually ask faculty that they come with a blog ready to um, post because I think it's pretty easier to do it and actually do it than to talk theoretically about how you would do it. So it's kind of like a how-to process. Um, I also do provide them with documentation after the fact. Um, and it's it's digital via email, but I'll give them a hard copy too. What they what they do with that, I'm not sure, but it's always provided to them. <laughs> um, along with, yeah, right. I don't know if they're re referencing it or not, but um, but I think it's important that it was digitally too. Um, so what that does is essentially it gives a summary of everything that we talk about in the training and some reminders of best practice. So what I do, and I know that what Vanessa and the team does for the CMS is talk a lot about in those trainings, not just how to, but what the best practices are, particularly for the blog, um, because I think there's a lot of ideas running around, um, but I think it's important to align people as to what the goal of the blog is. Uh, it's not just a program promotion tool. It is, uh, uh, that, like I said, that snapshot of life for prospective students. 
So um, getting an upfront idea of what their ideas are and brainstorming with them while aligning them with our best practices has been really beneficial long term. And we've seen, I think, an increase in quality and uh, really good content on the blog. Um, the other thing that I do and I am totally fine with, I think our web team does this too, is I say when you're publishing your first blog and you can't figure something out, call me and I'll walk you through it. And I think that's a huge help for folks um, because sometimes they just are second guessing themselves. Um, and, and repetition, I think, is really how you learn to navigate a CMS. Uh, so being able to like be available even for a quick 30 second phone call to say, did I upload this photo right? Um, is, has been really helpful and I think really helps our contributors feel more confident when they're posting the blog. I think that's a really good point. One of the things that I've debated on doing for our office is having like having people, especially like students and professional staff every year for you to have access to the website, you have to take a test. And ah. You can't tell me that like, this is how I check spelling on the page. Ah. <laughs> Please do not copy and paste from Word, use a widget or you know, what have you. Uh, here's what a heading tag is, or should I always add alt text? Yes, you should. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like little things like that, just so that way it's a friendly reminder, because I find that you know, when people aren't in it all the time, they forget some of those things. Because like you said, I, I think Vanessa said it, you know, they're they're doing other things. They have other priorities. They're not just content creators for the website. So um, I've yet to get to that quiz yet, but I, I'm still thinking about doing it. <laughs> just like, if you don't get an A. Well, I'm a terrible test taker, so I don't know how that would work out for me. <laughs> I would be able to do it live and maybe like answer a question. I'd have some problems, but I, it's a good idea. I like it. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, so speaking of that, like one of the challenges I've had in my office is that a lot of people don't check the spelling on their website, or they're using different tone words. And years ago, it used to UVA used to be U period capital V lowercase A period, and now it's all capitals. And I tell them that they don't listen. So how do you review the content for quality, making sure that the spelling is done well and the alt text and and all that kind of good stuff? So one of my favorite products, and I'll give them a shameless shout out, is Site Improve. Um, I, once we signed on with Site Improve, it, it really changed a lot of that for us and from a quality assurance standpoint. And they also offer great accessibility to tools. But specifically for quality assurance, because our CMS doesn't provide um, those kind of tools, it's been really helpful. You know, our positioning is, the, is entrepreneurship um, from Babson perspective. That is one of the hardest words to spell in the world. And it's on our site thousands yeah. of times. So yeah. <laughs> to make sure that no one finds the word entrepreneurship spelled wrong on a page on our site is one of the most important things we can do. And a tool like Set Improve can help us do that. So what we've been able to do for certain um, content contributors on campus is set up a report that's generated automatically from Site Improve every month or so. There's different levels. Um, and it's restricted to their particular subsite. So for example, you know, our Center for Women's Leadership, they'll get a report monthly that has, um, you know, any kind of spelling errors, any broken links. You know, broken links is an interesting one too because it could be as simple as maybe you used a link um, six months ago to a new site and then, you know, that link is dead now because the new site made some updates and they moved things around, but you wouldn't realize to check that. So they check, you know, broken links, spelling, which is super, super helpful. Um, so that way, you know, we're also adding to this share distribution model of, okay, this is websites, not just you know, marketing's website, it's the campus's website. Um, any page is a landing page. We need to make sure that any user who might end up on the page, and it could be a prospective student who's choosing to come here, 
um, can have a consistent um, and good uh, and professional experience. So um, that's really important to us. And, you know, a kind of related, and I should mention this with the per standard on campus where, you know, all our content contributors can add text, images, can make updates, they can you know, get their quality assurance reports. But if they want to do major overhauls to their site, so let's say add even, you know, one or two new pages, hmm. we do ask for them to work with marketing. Yeah. Um, because we have access to analytics and we have access to some best practices. And that way we can kind of sit down and have a conversation around, does it make sense to add a whole new subsite or can we just enhance the content on the home page? Um, so we try to make sure that's done upfront as well, um, you know, as part of those conversations rather than letting, you know, anyone on campus just add any subsite. And, you know, a lot of times it makes complete sense to do so, but it's nice to have that extra supporting conversation um, too. And then we can talk about in that conversation around, you know, do you get a site improvement pro report? Let's set it up for you. And we didn't realize how much you're actually paying attention to your website. That's great. You know, let's try to make it an easy, even easier experience for you. So. Excellent. Thanks. Caitlin. So for blogs, it's different, um, and it's 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 a tough beast to tackle, I would say, um, particularly because of the volume of people who are contributing at any given time, um, and there's obviously big uh, variances in the quality in terms of like small things like spelling, but bigger things like understanding of web best practices, like opening links in new tabs or appropriately tagging and adding keywords and metadata. Um, so. I try and be as upfront as possible about some of these things, but one of the things that I tell every single person, no matter what their understanding of some of web best practices is, is before you post something, please have a second set of eyes on it. Um, so internally in marketing, we have a quality assurance process where we have a stellar copy editor look at our content and make sure it's good, and then we have someone on the integrated team check the links and all of that but you know other departments on our on this campus don't have that luxury um, and they're doing a million different things so it's easy to make a mistake but it's easy to have someone catch that mistake if you're just asking someone to quickly read through the blog before you post or even after you post because you can go in and make changes um, something that we do also um, is we regularly meet uh, and convene social media council and the blogs are a part of that. So if there are big updates or if I'm seeing a trend in terms of something that should be done differently, um, that's a great place to make that kind of announcement generally so that everyone is aware of whatever the new best practice or the gentle reminder is um, without pinpointing a person. But for me personally, if we're going to amplify a post and there's little like words or links that should open a new tab, I'll go in and update it and maybe send a note to someone just to let them know what the changes that have made are. I also think that's really important. Um, if you're going to make a change to someone's content or page, letting them know uh, either before or after, A, so that they're aware that you're noodling with what they've worked on, but B, so that they can be better prepared to do things a different way in the future. I think that's a really good point. That's smart. So. What do you find that your contributors struggle with most, your, your content contributors? Um, well, along with the theme of remembering that a lot of our content contributors, this is the last bullet, if a bullet, on their job description to make <laughs> their site. Um, you know, a lot of them don't go into the site regularly. So just like anything else, I mean, maybe their job is, okay, let me make sure that I update the deadlines on this page twice a year, that means they're going to the site twice a year. Yep. Um, it's very easy to forget how to do it. Um, so I think 
that, that's completely fair. And sometimes I think that we need to, um, as web, you know, content contributors um, and, you know, marketing folks and web folks, just be patient with that. Um, and remember that that's, it is the extra, you know, thing in the back of their minds that they need to do. Um, so it's really important to have that solid documentation site to continue also to push them there. So, you know, if a content contributor comes to us and says, ah, oh, like I totally forgot how to you know, link, uh, hyperlink this word, um, you know, we actually, rather than do it for them, we actually push them to the documentation site to, to habitualize that process so that the next time they're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I walked through that step-by-step -step on our documentation site. So they're continually going back to it as a resource. So that's, that's really important. It's all about, you know, practicing, trying again, trying again. And that reputation is really, you know, really, really important. But um, I like that you brought that up because I have, um, well, in both of those different examples, because I actually, um, I have someone who in my office who runs HR and we have to once a year to put together our performance, you know, review stuff and what our goals are and everything like that, which is great. And she's phenomenal. I absolutely adore her. But I always forget how to use the system of being able to put in my goals and like, how am I supposed to send this? Because like, it's a really confusing system. And so she and I have kind of made an agreement of like, I'll do her website updates if she'll help me. If she'll do. Oh, that. there you go. <laughs> I can trade it off. Awesome. Oh gosh! It's like everyone else. I point them to the documentation, but that's the one person where I'm like, you know, what, girl, I got your back. I totally will take care of it for you if you figure out how in the world to do this. Yeah, you know, you help me, I'll work. help you. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I mean, it's just like anything else. Like, I mean, all of us, you know, unfortunately, go into Facebook every day, so we know how to use it. But if we went in twice a year, we would not. We yeah. would forget. And mm -hmm. you know, it's not. You know, it's not something you're used to. And I think also you know, the, the role of being a content contributor falls in a lot of different types of people on campus too. Like we'll have, you know, a nurse in health services also be designated because she mentioned she doesn't mind doing it, updating the site. And like, you know, we got to cut them a break here. You know, it's, they're doing much, much different work. Um, so being able to be patient and then also providing them with tools um, and teaching them, you know, over and over again. I think if I learned anything in my role, it's that um, I educate way more than I ever expected. And I have like the most respect for teachers and educators <laughs> that you can imagine in general. Yet I did not realize how much I would have to educate. And it's really important um, to be comfortable with playing that role, especially if you're in a digital um, capacity, in a web capacity. That's smart. So what about you, Caitlin? What do you find that your content contributors struggle with? It's again, very different, but I think um, idea generation for a blog um, is a long-term struggle. I, I, I think often people come to marketing and say they want a blog and they have a lot of great ideas and then uh, maybe that translates into five or six posts over the course of like a couple months and then they go silent. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, it's unfortunate because I'm sure there's a lot of really great things happening that they could talk about or they have a lot of really great thoughts and ideas to share relating to the work that they're doing. Um, so sometimes it just takes a little bit of nudging. Um, but they also, we offer ourselves as a strategic resource too. Um, so, I am available to help them brainstorm. Anyone is really available to help them brainstorm. And sometimes if they're coming to us for PR help or um, to talk about another, like a, a campaign, we can throw the blog in as a way to supplement whatever work they're doing. But the other thing that we regularly do at least once a year in that council that I referred to earlier is share the last year's analytics on the blog so that we can share out what has performed well over the last year um, or over the last three years. Um, and that sometimes sparks some 
ideas and those who maybe have gone a little silent but are looking to get their blog rant up again. I think that's super important overall because uh, this is a side note, but some of the things that we found in sharing um, blog analytics is that posts from three to four years ago are really, really highly trafficked because yeah. of organic search volume. Um, so one of the, the notes that we put uh, out for our content contributors on the blog is, hey, if you're putting deadlines in, you've got to update them or link to your website or, because people are landing on these you know, admissions deadlines related posts from 2014 and they're probably getting out of date information. So that's you know, something else that we remind people of. But data generation, 100%, uh, one of the biggest struggles on campus, but I think effectively partnering with everyone has helped to you know, get people back up when, when they've fallen a little bit off. An idea for content generation, and you can totally ignore this if you want, but um, I look at Google Trends. So it's a oh. great thought to say, like, all right, what is trending? You also can do it based on age and area and all that kind of good stuff to see at least like what topics are they talking about to see if there's way they can bring it into your area. And then also search results. Mm -hmm. So I was at the University of Michigan Health System, and we were looking at content generation and looking at what are people searching for, you know, the most over the month that they're not finding any results, and, and using that to like, okay, these are pages we need to add or, or content that we need to make more clear on pages. And uh, one of them was, I want to say it was Eagle Syndrome or something like that. It was a very obscure medical condition. And it was like, you know what, we don't have that on our website, but it is something that we service. And I would have never thought to add something like that, but it's something that we had a couple of hits. And I'm like, that's so wild. Like, it's it's a great spot to be like, all right, here's stuff that, you know, might be able to help. Yeah, and, and actually, I have a, a side note related story, a similar, um, where our Glavin Office for International Education um, just thought, found a need to put information on the Kadivi, which is uh, for Venezuelan international students, on our site. It became one of our most popular non-branded um, organic search traffic, you know, web pages. So basically, like when you know, we looked at all of our search data. Um, you know, anything that doesn't have Babson in it, that was, Kadivi was one of the most popular terms that drove traffic to our website from Google search. Huh. What a cool thing to share with our content contributors of like, hey, like how crazy is this that you are getting so much traffic to our site? That's actually not what they wanted though, because it's sort of, it was a misperception uh, on the kind of support that their office could give as well as, you know, they're, they're like, well, we're not the expert in this. We just wanted to have the content on our site. So they actually elected to take it down, which, you know, makes sense, though. And I think through that conversation, um, they understood, too, that, you know, they're contributing to, like, larger institutional goals, which we look at often in terms of, like, traffic to our website. Every content contributor has a hand in, you know, organic search. Um, but it was interesting for them to talk through, all right, what are our business goals? Does this actually make sense for us? Um, people are actually thinking that we're experts. We're not. So they actually chose to take it down from there. So it's 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 uh, it's interesting what the organic search results can can tell you. So yeah. And I really like what Caitlin said too in regards to making sure that you're um, looking at your old blog posts and making sure that they either reference a new blog post or have very specific dates on there because I cannot tell you how many old blog posts we had where the information was, again, just like you said, it's stuff that people went to often. And then also the, the links that were in the blog post were not working at all. And, you know, and, and it's like, okay, why should I care about a blog post that was posted, you know, three years ago? Well, you should care if there's a lot of people going to it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it. I, oh, go ahead. 
Sorry. Uh, what I was going to say is uh, that we it's kind of on the same level as what Vanessa was saying. On the blog, we find, you know, we have a great arts program here, and they write about some really cool people people who come to campus are really fun events that happen. And some of those are pretty highly searched too. And it's not like, it doesn't always have to have to do with entrepreneurship, but it's a really important slice of what student life is like here. So even as they're coming up years later, I think you can look back and see the value in that like, hey, this really cool person talked about color therapy, uh, which is, I believe, one of the most highly trafficked blogs year over year um, and and see that that's yeah right and see that that was um, you know uh, something that happened and, and be intrigued enough to maybe navigate to the website to find out what else is happening now uh, and I do think that we have to assume that users readers have a, a general awareness that they can look at a date and see that um, a blog from 2014 might be out of date, but I think as much as we can spell out for them that this is where you go to get the most up-to-date information and drive them to the website is super important. I, one thing I tell everyone is please always drive to the website in some way, be it your program page or a list of updated deadlines, whatever it is, just please send people to the website because I think we found that a significant uh, amount of traffic from uh, people who visit blogs do end up visiting the website. So do you have a taxonomy that links your website content to your blog content and, and vice versa? So that way it's easier for the content editors to link stuff? Yeah, so we don't, um, our CMS, it doesn't really support that kind of integration just yet. So we just use RSS feeds in order to pull in the content, which, it, you know, it's, it's good for, for now. Um, I think as we look at our next CMS, we're really hoping for a better seamless integration because, you know, obviously that's the ideal state as someone is on the art section of the this website and they're constantly seeing this flow of updated information so it feels like real time real stories about what that means um when it comes to life at Babson. Um, but at the very least what we're able to do is pull in different tags or categories to mm -hmm. certain sections of the site so that art section will still have a feed based on you know their category or their tag um within the site well, you both have inspired me so much. I have all these notes, and I don't normally take notes during Higher Ed Live, but I swear <laughs> to God, I'm like, okay, I need to go back, because I use Site Improve at the University of Michigan, and it is the best product. It best. makes it so easier <laughs> for content management. And I'm like, all right, Google Analytics, I can do monthly reports to my team, especially the blog section, to let them know like what is popular, what are people looking at. And I love the idea of the second eye on the blog posts. Because I mean, that's that. Why am I not doing that? <laughs> that's such a good idea. Because we do that on our emails. Every single email that we send out has to be reviewed by at least two people. Why are we not doing that on our website content? And you can set up workflows to actually support that more in a structured way. So you could say, all right, before this post goes live, you know, the editor has to approve it. So you can go that that in depth if you would really like to. But I actually find, and Kate probably agrees that. People are just as simple as like picking up their laptop, going over to the colleague and say like, can you read this? Can you read this? Yeah. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. You don't need some fancy workflows, even though those yeah. do exist if you want. Mm -hmm. You have your exit buddy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, you said 2014 and I swear to God that was like five minutes ago. So yeah. I'm like, I was like, yeah, I guess that is three years ago. It doesn't ago. actually <laughs> feel that long, but <laughs> in the world of admissions, it's a long time. So. <laughs> Oh, this is awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you both so much for your help. I've learned and thought of some really great ideas and, and learned a lot from you both. And, um, you know, thank you for joining us, Vanessa and Kate. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having us, Amy. 
Thank you. And um, thank you always to our program sponsors, M. Stoner and Omni Update. And I hope that everyone has a great day.